Let's Perch. It is the Shonda from She's Free to Fly podcast. Today, I have a special guest, um, a dear friend of mine. We have been friends for over 30 years. We matriculated through middle school and high school together, and life just brings you back around to just who you are as a person. And it's so wonderful to reconnect with people who really know who you are, who know your journey, who can see how much you've grown, and we can have true, authentic conversations about our life experiences, both good and bad. So on today's episode, we're going to talk about our health journeys. Um, So Erica, welcome to the podcast. Welcome to She's Free to Fly. I am so happy that we can connect today. Um, I can remember when you first launched Embracing the Fight. I actually listened to your first episode and I was just like, look at my classmate go like just being authentic and being your authentic self always kind always graceful always giving always you know willing to just express what's going on and help somebody else and so for that for every woman who's ever listening i truly truly say thank you i truly thank you for you know just being honest and letting people know it's not good all the time. And when it's not good, sometimes it can be therapy to express to others and, you know, share with others your journey. So um, please share what made you launch your own podcast, Embracing the Flight, Embracing the Flight, and what that has looked like. So the reason that I, I came up with Embracing the Flight was because if you, if you think about it, you know, growing up in the 70s, 80s, mm-hmm. 90s, you remember the older people in your generation, like the grandparents and aunts and uncles. Whenever there was an issue, whether it was a mental or a physical issue, nobody really talked about yeah. it. You know, kids got you know, pushed off into the back room like, oh, this is grown folks, you know, conversation. Stay, stay out of grown folks' business. That's what they told right. me. This grown folks' right. conversation. Go, go on in there and play. Right. So... While all that's going on, you missed, you know, the pieces as to why either A, your family was falling apart, mm. or B, somebody was sick and then you just didn't see them anymore. You right. had all these questions. And then as you got older, you learned to keep all these things internal. You learn how to mask it with a smile. Right. Or you just learn how to say, when people say, well, how are you? And you just say, well, I'm fine, knowing all around mm-hmm. you guys. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I started this conversation because I want to normalize the conversations concerning physical and mental health issues. Okay. So when I got thyroid cancer, I thought this was an amazing opportunity to do this. So let me ask you: You're not. You're. It's not like you're a senior. How old were you when you found out you got thyroid cancer? Let's see. I found out in August of twenty twenty. Okay. Did I actually have it? Okay. By the time I was 40, 45. Okay. Okay. And All just right. imagine being 45 and I had cancer previously. Really? I thought you know, that was it. Mm-hmm. I had a dermatofibro protuberance and it was on my foot. And you know how we like to wear cute shoes. Right. And I had a, a, a knot that was about that big, about this deep. So okay. Maybe the size of a quarter. Okay. And about an inch or so thick. Mm-hmm. And it would show up sometimes, and sometimes it would go away. And I'm like, well, 
know, what is this? So I went to the podiatrist mm-hmm. thinking that, okay, they're just going to cut it out and come back. Mm-hmm. No. Mm-hmm. They cut it out. The area turned gray. It started doing some different things. I started having pains in my feet. So I was okay. like, oh, no, this is something else. Okay. And they sent me to an oncologist. They, they determined what it was. And at the time, I was 27 years old. Oh, my and gosh. I was like, you know, my life's starting. This isn't, you oh know, this is not what I'm looking forward to. Mm-hmm. This is not going to work. And from that point, I started looking at my health more seriously rather than from a family perspective. And so, because, okay. you know, when you look at your outward appearance, everybody expects you to look a certain way. Mm-hmm. But when you have things going on internally, you know, you have to have your guard up. You know, right. You know, Something that's wrong here. I need to get this checked out. Right. And that's that was my first bout with him. Okay. Okay. And this is just round two. This is round two. Okay. So back to round two. Um, so thankful that you made it through round one and yeah. you were, you know, able to get the help that you needed. Um, and sometimes in life we get a little trinkle to prepare us for the big things. That's right. Right. So, and not that cancer, any type of cancer is a small thing, but it seems like you were able to deal with what was going on with your foot, um, which was almost an introduction for what was to come later. So tell me, what did that look like later? So it actually had me on high alert. Okay. I knew, you know, if, if you have a lump or if you have anything strange going on that you need to get it checked out. But in this instance, it wasn't that way. Because I just thought, you know, I've been gaining weight. So I'm looking at my neck and I'm thinking, oh, my neck was just getting, you know, larger to gain weight. Mm-hmm. That wasn't the case. And the um, doctor that I had, she just kept telling me, oh, you need to lose weight, you need to lose weight. And she was doing tests. She was doing everything that she was supposed to do. Mm-hmm. But she wasn't looking at the results the way that she should have. Okay. Because if that were the case, they would have found out that I had an issue maybe five, five years ago. Wow. When I first went in and complained about it. Because I was tired, my hair was falling out, I was gaining weight, my skin was dry. I had all the telltale signs of issues with my thyroid. Not necessarily thyroid cancer, but a thyroid issue. Okay. And I kept going to God, kept going, kept going. And Okay. Can you go down that list one more time on what were some of the signs that there was an issue with your thyroid? I want to make sure this is really clear. So if any listener you know, is having some of these issues, then they may go get checked themselves. Okay. I had unexplained weight gain. Okay. I mean, I was gaining 20, 30 pounds a year. And I was wow. playing tennis. I wasn't eating, you know, excessively bad or anything like that. Right. And it was like, where's the chemical? Okay. Okay. My hair was falling out, especially like in the top, in the middle. Mm-hmm. It, it was getting to a point where it was thinning and everything and in our family, I know that we don't have any issues with women with that or, you know, all of this. Right. So that was the concern. Okay. So hair's dry, breaking off, and it's not growing. Okay. Okay. I found myself to be thirsty. Okay. I was extremely fatigued. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't focus. And I didn't realize that brain fog was one of the things, too, that you would notice because your thyroid basically controls your metabolism. Okay. And it helps, you know, regulate your body temperature, stuff like that. So at one point, you know, I was thinking, you know, maybe I'm going through that, that change, but I wasn't. It was okay. Trying to tell me, hey, you need to do something to me. Get me fixed, check me out. Okay. And I was doing it, 
but my doctor was ignoring it. Mm-hmm. It was my gynecologist that actually found out what was going on. Okay. And sometimes the doctor that finds out is not the doctor that you would think would have found out. So all right. Because the gynecologist, she was just looking at me just in general. Okay. You know, and she's like, you know, that doesn't look right. And I was like, what are you talking about? And she's like, your thyroid is enlarged. And she sent me that day to get an ultrasound. Mm-hmm. And after she got the ultrasound back, she called me right away and she said, hey, this, this is huge. Mm-hmm. She said, at first I was thinking maybe two centimeters or so. She said, you're actually at six. And I'm like, is your neck really even that big? And she's like, it's, it's going, you know, this way. Right. Instead of like east to west, it's going like north to south. Okay. And she explained that she's like, don't think, you know, that it's cancer because a lot of people have border. There are other, you know, issues that you have that can cause a mess to be there. Okay. And she's like, just don't worry about it. You know, get some rest, do something that you enjoy, get your mind off of it. And then, you know, next week we'll go in and have you tested. Okay. So from that point, you know, she sent me to an endocrinologist. The endocrinologist uh, sent me to a general surgeon because they want to get it off. Mm-hmm. But then in that process, a storm came through, couldn't do the surgery. The next time I was supposed to do the surgery, I had seen a neurologist because I was hearing like a ringing in my ears. Okay. And when the uh, ringing would come, I'm like, it doesn't happen all the time. Mm-hmm. So I don't have any permanent damage, you know, in my ear. It was just happening. Okay. And she did all these tests. She found out that I had factor five lightning. Had I had that surgery in September, I would have had a stroke or some other like heart attack. Something would have happened. Oh, when God says no. Right. Exactly. When God says no. Okay. Right. The surgeon read all of that and said, no, we can't do it right now. We have to do, we have to send you to a hematologist. Mm-hmm. Get all this checked out before you can do anything with your thyroid. Hey, wait a minute. What does a hematologist do? Hematologist studies your blood. Okay. And they can tell you, like, if you have genetic defects, you know, within your blood that, okay. like, the factor five lightning. What that is, is it causes your blood to clot more often than not. Okay. So, I had been having blood clots and didn't know why. I had one on my leg after I played tennis. Wow. And it was hurting. I was like, what the world is going on here? Wow. That blood clot was on my heart. And you've been an avid tennis player since we were kids. Okay. Wow. Okay. I did not know I had any of this going on in my body. Mm. Mm. Okay. All right. All right. So then what happens next? So then after I had all the surgery and everything, everything went extremely well. That's good. Um, So I I started, you know, showing my journey on Embrace the Fight. All right. You know, I let everybody see where the scars. Because if you look now, Mm -hmm. you really can't even see it because it's it's right here. Okay. Okay. I had a drain. I had everything going on. But now, you know, all is well in a sense because I had a radioactive iodine to uh, remove the rest of the uh, thyroid cells. Okay. Because, you know, when you have surgery, all right. The surgeons just, just cut out the organ. They don't make a precision cut like, say, butchers when they're trying to trip that. Mm-hmm. So they just get out the organ because they don't have so much time because when you're cutting in this area, you don't have a lot of space and it bleeds profusely. Okay. So you have to, you know, you have to do it pretty quick. Okay. You can't be one of those surgeries where it lasts five, six hours. It's not, all right. Not good. Okay. So once they get it out, they know that something's going to be left behind because they're not going to go back in and say, uh-oh, it's something right there. Let me, you know, mm-hmm. let me cut it out. Mm-hmm. 
they just say, okay, you're going to come back. We're going to determine if you need, you know, radiation or anything like that. So okay. Because it was so large, the mm-hmm. mass was so large on my thyroid, mm-hmm. they had to do the radioactive iodine in order to kill the rest of the cells. Okay. Now, the downside of the radioactive iodine for, like, younger women that are looking to get pregnant and have kids, they advise against it for at least a year. Okay. So it, it doesn't do anything else to you. And All you're right. not supposed to be around uh, pregnant women or children right when you have this done. Okay. Because you're basically glowing. You're you're radioactive. Wow. Okay. Six feet away from people after you get this done. So that, that was interesting. Hold on, wait a minute. So okay, I've never thought about this. Now you make me think about stuff. So, when people have cancer and they get radiology, they're radioactive. No, no. So okay, just the radiation. They they'll go in and they'll put like this thing that's like a cast. Okay, and they they you know they they do the ra- the radiation on them. The radioactive iodine. You eat it. You actually put the pill you know in your mouth. So. Is coming back out. Okay. So the radiation is going in to try to kill whatever this is. This is going straight to the thyroid cells, and then it's coming out through like your saliva, tears, all your bodily fluids. It's coming out that way, but it's it can come from your skin, like if you're sweating. Wow. So it's like going around sprinkling radio, you know, radioactive matter. That's why I call it my glow day. Your glow day. Okay. What is your glow day? So that was the day that they actually administered me the radioactive iodine. Okay. It's a, it's a three-step process. Because some people choose not to get the shots to um, reduce the thyroid hormone that's still being produced in your body. Mm-hmm. I opted to do it because otherwise I would have to go 30 days without taking the thyroid medication. And your body basically goes into a stupor when you mm-hmm. do that. Mm-hmm. You're tired. You know, you're listless. Mm-hmm. You can't focus. I was like, no, just go ahead and give me shots. So they give you, you know, a shot on either cheek because you get to, they wanted to spread, you know, the pain, I guess. Mm-hmm. And then after you get those two shots, the on the day that you get the second shot, they give you a small dose of radioactive iodine. Then they do a full body scan to kind of see, you know, where those thyroid cells are now. Mm-hmm. And if they are indeed like cancer cells. And then the next day you come back and you get a high dose. I got 164.8 millicuries. That's an extremely, you know, high dose. So wow. over time, this could take maybe three to six months for it to be completely out of my system. Okay. But the very first day, it was like, as soon as you take it, a whole bunch of it was like, back out. It's being expelled. Oh, wow. But now it's a little bit over time. Okay. Okay. So how have you, like, since the procedure, how do you feel now? How's your energy level now? How are you... How's your fatigue? Like, how are you just feeling as a whole person now? Okay, so the first week afterwards, I was tired mm-hmm. because I felt like my body was fighting. And I, I would wake up, my eyes would be dry, my mouth would be dry. Mm-hmm. I'd be extremely thirsty mm-hmm. because, you know, your body is fighting. It's mm-hmm. working. So mm-hmm. it's working hard while I'm asleep and I wake up and I feel exhausted. Mm-hmm. But it's better and better. Don't you stay. That's like good. This morning when I got up, I, was like, I feel good. You know, I don't, I don't feel like I was feeling the other day because one day I had to call into work because I just could not 
Okay. I couldn't get up at 8 a.m. By the time I got up, it was almost noon. Okay. And I go I go to work at, well, I get up for work at 3.30 in the morning. Oh. And I'm at work by 5. And, oh. you know, if I'm getting up at noon, that's seven more hours. That's a whole, yeah. almost another full night of sleep. Right. In addition to the full night of sleep. Right. Days. So I slept maybe 14 hours. Wow. But see, now I'm at a point where I feel better. Okay. But everything tastes like baking soda. Okay. Baking soda. Okay. So a lot of people say that when they get the radioactive iodine, uh-huh. that they have a metallic taste. Okay. Not me. Uh-uh. Everything tastes like baking soda. Okay. Water tastes like baking soda. Candy. Tastes like baking uh-huh. soda. Fruit special. I don't care what it is. It all tastes like baking soda. And they say, oh, this might last four to eight weeks or three to six months, whatever. And I said, well, I'm going to be losing weight because I can't stand the way this stuff tastes. <laughs> Right. It might be a blessing in disguise. Okay, I'll take the baking soda. I don't want but a little bit of it. Huh? Are you back to playing tennis? So I will be maybe in a week. All right. Because of this. Because I could be playing, you know, the whole time. Okay. It's just a matter of, you know, finding some folks to play. Right, right. All right, right. Yeah. Man. All right. So embracing the fight. What are three ways that you have embraced your fight? So I embraced it spiritually first Mm -hmm. because regardless of what any of the doctors say or anyone around me had to say, it doesn't matter. I had to promise it. Mm -hmm. So I knew then that I had to take the people, trust him, have faith. Yes. And I knew that in embracing the fight, when I bring other people on to talk about their testimony, Right. I'm supposed to encourage. I'm supposed to inspire them regardless of what I'm going through. Yes. Because I know that if I trust God like I say I do, I'm not going to show anything else on the outside. Sure, you know, you have those moments where Mm -hmm. you feel like, oh, why me? And, you know, all that. But none of that equates to anything. You can't help others. You help yourself in the process. Exactly. And the only way I feel like you can do that is if you keep yourself grounded. So that's one way. Okay. The second one uh, was with uh, my health just in general. Okay. So I had gotten to a point where, and I know the guys at work be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Every day I had started like just going to eat fast food. Okay. Because it was easy. It was quick. I was tired. You know, I was in the bed. And they would come in and say to me, you know, how are you going to help a body fight if you're not giving it the right stuff to fight with? Like you up here eating ice cream. You're eating hamburgers and fries and soda. And I'm like, oh, you know, but I gave in and uh, started to cook more and eat. And I've noticed that my energy is changing. So it could be a combination of things. You know, it could be because I'm eating right and doing right. And it could be because I'm healing as well with the radioactive iodine. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. And then the third thing, um, financially. So before I got into all of this, mm-hmm. um, I was one of these people that would give, 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 help, 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 help. Mm-hmm. And I said, oh, I can always make more money. Mm-hmm. But then when tragedy struck mm-hmm. and all these medical deals start coming, mm-hmm. the company wasn't paying like they were supposed to. Insurance not paying as much, you know, as, as you would like them to. 
And it's like, hold on, wait a minute. Do I really need to go to Yeah, I need to go to Do these things, you know, myself. Why am I paying, you know, for all of these things? I'm not being a good student. Okay. You know, okay. Mm-hmm. So he expects more of those and he gives more too. Right. So how are you going to keep giving me more? And I'm over here doing, you know, just giving, 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 and doing, doing more. And two people that I was giving to might have been people that he wanted to, you know, go through something in order to get them closer to him. But I was blocking their path by just saying, here, here's a thousand dollars. You better say it. You better say it. And now that my little well is drying up, those people know where to be found. You better say it. Let me tell you, if Erica take care of everybody's problems, what is God going to do? Absolutely they ain't got no reason to depend on it. Right. Right. He's going to come to me and say, okay, tap me on the shoulder and say, look, look at all of what you give these people. Where are they now? Right. And I'm still here. Right. Right. So those are the three things I learned. And That's awesome. All right. You learned them. You learned them. Absolutely. Congratulations. I think you should, as you should, as you should, as you should. Man. Okay. One thing that you would tell to anyone listening who has questions about their health. So if you have a question about your health, go and seek advice. Don't wait. Because that thing inside of you, that intuition, it's speaking to you. It's God speaking to you saying, hey, you know, something is not right here. If you're not crazy, go ahead and get this checked out. Because as long as you wait, the worst thing you get. Right, right. And so this is like so perfect. This is exactly what made me listen to Embracing the Fight. And when I heard the beginning of the podcast, the beginning of your first episode. Like I didn't even know this was going on. And so I was just curious of what did this journey look like for her? Because I remember my own journey. Um, I was what, 33, 34 years old. And in that year I had bought a new house. Um, I was a single parent and my daughter was young and she was in every single thing, um, school, dance, soccer, probably at this point, just everything you could think of. And there was always somewhere to go. There was always something to do. And at the same time, I was had just started my doctoral study. So I just I was in school getting my doctorates. So the stress of trying to buy a new house, the responsibilities of being a parent. I also had a government contract with the state that I was working on and I was working on my daughters. So I was so used to being tired. Like sometimes you can live at a particular state for so long that you think it's normal. And so I had began to think it was normal that I was tired. And um, I had been self-employed for a few years at that point. And so for a while, I didn't have health insurance. So I can, I'll never forget, it was September, my new health insurance kicked in. And the first thing I did was schedule me a physical um, because I needed, because I hadn't been to the doctor in like a couple of years. Now, my daughter had health insurance, of course, but I did not. So when I got new health insurance, like the first thing I need to do, and I know this, 
I got to take care of me because taking care of me takes care of everything around me. If I don't take care of me, I can't take care of my daughter. I can't take care of my household. I can't be there for my family. I can't be there for my friends. Like I am the center of my world. So I have to take care of me. So I'll never forget, like I set that first appointment up um, for physical and it was actually a nurse practitioner who saw me. Um, and a lot of times when people make their initial appointments, they want to see the doctor. They don't want to see the nurse practitioner. Baby, just let me see somebody. And God was so good and so amazing. She was so wonderful and she was so thorough and she went through every single thing. Um, and I had been to doctors before, you know, doing regular visits, you know, growing up. But she was just she was just a great nurse practitioner. And I want to give nurses and nurse practitioners credit for the work that they do because they are frontline workers. You see the doctors after you see the nurses. You know what I mean? I mean, you yes, you see the doctors after you see the nurses. So we went in and um, of course they do your weight and they do everything and they put you on the EKG machine and she comes in with the report and she said, hmm, your heart rate looks a little irregular. And I was like, oh, okay. And I'm, so, I'm not tripping. I'm like, oh, okay. She said, can we take you um, next door to do an x-ray? So I was like, yeah. So I walked out of one room and walked into to the other and they did an x-ray on my heart. She says, hmm, the left side of your heart's enlarged. And I was like, oh, okay. Now, I had never been sick in my life. I think I got stitches when I was a kid on my hand, but outside of going to have a baby and I told people, I think in an episode before, I don't know nothing about having no baby, honey. I went to sleep. I woke up and I had a baby. Okay. No, nothing about having no baby. Having a baby makes me nervous. Like right now, my legs are clenched. (laughs) So serious. I don't know nothing about having no baby. I went in. They gave me every door. It didn't work. He pinched me. He was like, you felt that? Yep. I mean, yeah, I feel it. No, you didn't. You pinched me, didn't you, damn it? I woke up, I had a baby. That's how. That's all I know about having a baby, okay? So I had never been to the hospital. I'm just for real. You know me, honey. So I never been to the hospital. I'm like, oh, okay, my heart's enlarged. So they say, well, can you come back in two weeks? And we want to take you, send you to our other location. And we want to do a ultrasound. Wait, what's the thing when they put the... They can, t- you know, they put the thing on your stomach when you're having a baby and they can see you. Ultrasound. So she said, we want to do an ultrasound. I was like, okay. So two weeks later, I go for the ultrasound. And in this point, like I've called my moms, I call my dads, call my family. And they say, mom, they say my heart rate's enlarged. I got to go two weeks and I got to get an ultrasound. And they were like, okay, you know, you need us. I'm like, no, I just got to go. get." I'm still not thinking anything is wrong. Like, I know something is wrong, but not like that wrong. Not the magnitude of what it ended up in. So I go, they do to do a they do an ultrasound, and they were like, hmm. Yeah, we need to send you, we need to send you to get a they do the ultrasound. Yeah, your heart rate is really irregular. We're gonna send you to do a TEE echo on your heart. And I said, okay, what is that? We're going to put a tube down um, your throat and we're going to be able to take a picture of your heart and see in. 
And I said, okay, when you want me to do that? They said, come back in two weeks. We're going to send you to, I think I went over to um, the cab medical. So in two weeks, I go back. And I believe this is the appointment that both sets of my parents came. Maybe they didn't come. Maybe they came at the MRI. But my parents came. No, they came at the MRI. So they do a TE echo. They say, you have a hole in your heart. I'm like, a hole in my heart? I have a hole in my heart. Like, I've been good all my life. Like, for real, for real. I'm for real. I've been good all my life. So they said, we need to do an MRI. Yes, it's the MRI that everybody came to because they give you some medication and all that kind of stuff. So now my parents come into town, both sets of my parents. My mom and dad came from Macon. My dad and mom came from North Carolina. So everybody's there. And um, we're all sitting in the weigh room. I go back. They do a T. No, then they do the MRI. So when they come back from the MRI, they were like, you have a hole in your heart the size of a 50 cent piece and it's an oval. And I'm like, what? How am I living? <laughs> like, I got a hole. Like, how do you live with a hole in your heart that big? Grace. Grace. Say it again. Grace, 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 grace. Grace and mercy, baby. When I say grace and mercy, carried me through. Grace and mercy carried me through. And that is why I operate with such a joy in my heart and um it's just my natural essence just to be thankful and joyful like i am thankful i tell people all the time start saying thank you god will give you something to be thankful for that's right just just start saying thank you he'll give you something to be thankful for and um so during this process they was like okay you can have a procedure where we go through your growing and go up to your heart and then we end up putting an umbrella over the hole. And when you look at the umbrella, it's like, you know how when you go and get a drink and they give you that umbrella on your little tiki drink? So it's like that. Now, I am a little smart, just a little bit. Some might say, but you can't put a circle over an oval and the circle is not bigger than the oval and it still not be a hole. You just can't do that. Some going, you know, come through. So what I did, and this is what I try to tell people all the time. You pay doctors. You pay the surgeons. You pay these people. They are working for you. You have a right to ask whatever question you want to ask. And I am so big on that. Even sometimes like my family go to the hospital, like I'm coming because I need to talk to the doctor because you got to answer some questions for me. Right. You just got to answer some questions. I interviewed. I literally went to the offices of about four surgeons and interviewed them to ask them about the procedure, how long they've been doing the procedure. What does, what does the procedure look like? What is the recovery time? Because I'm like, you're not going to have me coming back in here in five to 10 years. That didn't work for me. So the next course was open heart surgery. So I elected to have open heart surgery because I wanted a long term um, result versus a short term result. Give me something that's going to last me a lifetime. So I interviewed four surgeons and I end up connecting with through research and just finding out what doctors did. 
I interviewed the chief of cardiothoracic surgery at Emory Hospital, who at the time was Dr. Guyton. And I think he may still be um, the chief. And he did a procedure. So most of the time when people have open heart surgery, they go straight down the chest and they crack the sternum. Now, young vein me, if I didn't have to, I didn't want necessarily um, a scar going down my chest. If I didn't have to, if there's if there's another option, give me the other option. So what he did, he does an incision under the breast. So he went under my right breast to the other side of my chest and took the heart. The heart is in a sack. So he took the sack that the heart was in, took that sack and covered the hole. And that was the long term. Um, procedure that we elected to do. And he was amazing. He was awesome. So I, I got hundreds of questions from what you said. So okay. So the, the first question, because a lot not a lot of people, you know, know you personally, but when I hear you say both sets of your parents, and mm-hmm. you say your parents that are in Macon and your parents that are in North Carolina, the ones that are in Macon. That's Al's parents? Nope. Okay. So when I went to the MRI, Mm -hmm. both sets of my parents, my father and mother divorced when I was four years old. Okay. My father has been remarried since I was seven. My mother has been remarried. I don't even know how many years. Right. But my parents co-parent me as a whole i guess is that quad parent me as a whole <laughs> is, is that a term i'm making up a new term on the plug they quad parent me okay um and whenever there's something going on with me whenever there's something going on with my child my parents will come together okay so when i did the mri before the procedure my two sets of parents came now let me take you to surgery day. Surgery day. Both sets of my parents came. So my dad and my mom came. My mom, I don't even know if my mom was remarried at the time. My mom was there. Al's parents were there. And a host of family. Like my, my blended mom's side of the family was there. Um I think they said my sisters came up or I was talking to them on the phone, but a host of people were at this hospital mm-hmm. because they all love me. Mm-hmm. And so I was surrounded by love when it was time for my surgery day. Now, most of my appointments leading up to the surgery, I went to by myself. Okay. I really did. And I had several appointments. Um, I went to them by myself. Because I don't think no one knew just how major the surgery was or what was going on. Like, you couldn't imagine how big it was until it was over. And you're like, wait, did that just happen? Because it happened so fast. I have a cousin right now that whenever we talk and the topic comes up, he tells me the guilt he feels for not being there with me during that time. And I had to tell him, like, I ain't know either. Like, he, nobody knew how major it was. But when it was like surgery day, everybody comes together. So let me tell you about the blessing 
Hold on. Before we get to that part. Okay. During the whole time of me preparing for surgery and going through these appointments. So you know how you mentioned how your coworkers were like what you eating and stuff like that. I am going to prepare my body for healing. And I want a lot of people to know that like when you are going through something, you have to prepare your body for healing. And so in preparing my body for healing, I spent so much time like spiritually preparing myself, just really, really being present with God Um, during the entire time of me getting ready. There was one song that I listened to. I listened to it before my surgery. I listened to it the morning I got ready to have surgery. And I listened to it while I was healing. And the song says, all I need is a touch from you. Okay. All I needed was a touch from God. That's all I needed. And I knew that was all I needed. And even when I go back and think about it, like when you have open heart surgery, you literally die and they have a body holding your organs in, in, in rhythm and together. And without that touch from God to get me back, it wouldn't have happened. All I needed was a touch from God. So that's how I spiritually like really prepared myself. So I do I do have a, a, a follow-up, you know, for the question about, you know, your parents. And this is a perfect segue into it. Uh-huh. Because you're explaining, you know, how you prepared yourself spiritually. But when I was asking about the parents and I was, you know, thinking about Mr. and Mrs. Lucas as well, I started thinking about your daughter. Mm-hmm. How was that for you emotionally knowing that you had a hole in your heart? She previously lost her husband and now your daughter's here. And it's like, okay, where where is she going to land? What is, I mean, you're, you're a mother of a daughter. You're sitting there saying she's going to get married one day. She's going to have kids. And if I'm not here, what is that going to look like for her? How did that impact you emotionally? So I believe, remember, I told you I had never been sick. Right. And I had this large hole in my heart. And so for people who knew Al, he was like, a 300 pound solid football player, true man of God, just a very honorable man, right? Yep. This is 2012 that I'm having this surgery, and he died in 2005. So we're talking about a full seven years. Like, like there is God, God has his own rhythm, right? And I found out I have this hole, and now I'm going for this procedure. And so I have this daughter who is nine years old at the time. And all I could think about was my baby. And that is why I was very intentional on the things that I did to care for myself and prepare myself for healing. I wasn't preparing myself to die. I was preparing myself to heal. I wasn't sitting crying, thinking about what was wrong with me. I was meditating and focused on what was right. And how I was going to get it right. And what God was going to do. I meditated daily. I walked. I ate. Like the things I did. I prepared myself for healing. When we were getting ready for the surgery. Like my family was um, going to come to my house. And care for me and stuff like that. My mom had come up. My dad had come into town. And I remember going to Home Depot. 
and getting some flowers to put in my house, some different plants and stuff, because I'm creating a space for peace. Like I'm, I'm, I'm so conscious and intentional on some certain things. Like I'm creating that. And on my way back from Home Depot, I'm driving my car and Home Depot is less than 10 minutes from my house. I'm driving my car and the Holy Spirit speaks to me and he says, you are going to be here and you are going to live because you have to be there for her. Like God has a plan for her. God has a plan for each of us. And for God to execute his plan, there are certain guides and there are certain people that have to be on this side or the other side to make that happen. But God told me I had to be on this side. He told me I was going to be there for her and I needed to be there for her. And because of that, I would live. So there, I wasn't moving in fear. I was moving in faith. I was moving in knowing what God told me. I was moving in knowing God's promise. Like that is what I was doing. So you know, some, some young woman right now, she's listening to your story and she's exhausted uh-huh. and she has a newborn and she's saying to herself, oh, I'm just tired because of this child. I'm just going to keep, you know, doing what I have to do, not knowing that she may have something going on on the inside. What was it that made you finally, you know, go other than, you know, have the insurance and, you know, just getting ready for physical? I know you said you were tired, but what would you tell her to make her say, you know, this is something you absolutely have to do? You can't just discount it until it gets worse. I would say, darling, at some point, you have to be tired of being tired. At some point, you have to love yourself enough to want the best of you for you. First, at some point, we have to love others enough to want them to experience the best of us. I want you to experience the best of me. I don't want you to experience the worst of me. I don't want you to experience the tired of me. I don't want you to experience the stressed out of me because I know who I am and I know what the best of me looks like. And even when I didn't know who I was, I knew I was a better person than how I was operating. I knew there was a greater. And so I tell her there is greater for you. When you want the exterior in your life to turn around, it starts with you. It starts with the person. People are getting the best of me because I'm the best of myself. I didn't get that. Try again. Look, that's serious. Serious. What you say? with your well-being yes i want you to be the best of you you telling me you're feeling bad baby what we gonna do about it mm-hmm. me and my girlfriends like we have a group text okay i scheduled my mammogram you scheduled yours yeah that's good my girlfriends who are at a um who are a little bit further in life more seasoned yes. i scheduled my colonoscopy did you schedule yours Women die of heart disease more than any. Go get a check. Why not? 
I I'd rather walk around knowing than not knowing. Right. People say ignorance is bliss. Ignorance is BS. That's what ignorance right. is. It's not bliss. Ignorance is BS, especially when you don't have to be ignorant. That's right. So that's what it looked like. That's what I'm telling them. Okay. And then when she comes back to you and says, okay, you know, I don't have insurance and I have this child. What was recovery, you know, like you, did you experience any losses or anything that would make you say, you know what, maybe I should have done something different or whatever. What would you tell this young woman? Cause she's starting to worry now. Like, will I be able to take care of my child? Because it's just. You got to connect. You got to connect. Some people, I don't take for granted the family I have. I have a, an amazing family. There were probably about 15 to 20 people in the hospital. It might have been more than that. I don't know. I was back there. Late, right. I have an amazing family. But that is why a relationship with God is so important. Start calling the people that you want to your life into your life. A lot of people now, especially since COVID, have so gotten out of going to church. I was raised in a church. I'm going to go to God's house because I want to connect with his people. I want to worship with his people. I want to bless his people. I want to be blessed by his people. We have to start building relationships. You reach out to She's Free to Fly. Follow it on Instagram. So, so what is that about? She's free to fly. Um, she's free to fly. Uh, cross generational conversations between women to love, to learn, and to lead. And we really do what you and I are doing right now. Just having conversations about life, having conversation about our experiences, because we all have something to share with one another. We all have something to learn from one another and we all should be loving one another. Like, I just believe that. Um, what did you do it, though? It just came down one day and you said, okay, back. No, it, um, so Mariah is 20 now. And since she has been in school, she's had different experiences. And each experience was to allow her to reach another level. I've always asked, what do you need in this point? You know, I always ask God, what does she need? And so at each level, you're free to fly. You're free to explore. When she went off to college, um, she chose to go to school in California. And we live in Georgia. Baby, you're free to fly. When she got to California, she decided she was doing study abroad. She wanted to go to school in Paris. You're free to fly. She went to school in Greece. You're free to fly. She's back in California. She's free to fly. I'm just praying that the girl comes and lands and perch back in Atlanta with me just for a little while. She's still free to fly. But man, I told her the other day. Because she's already accepted a um, job offer in Atlanta. And I told her, but she still has the freedom to interview and do whatever she wants. I said, Mariah, let me tell you something, girl. Now, I know I told you you're free to fly, but you're breaking your butt home for a minute. I miss my baby. But um, in that, I realized I was free to fly. Yes. Even in my heart surgery. like Think about your thyroid surgery. When, when we have these experience and we go through what we have to go through, after that, we are free to fly. And us being free to fly helps other people become free to fly. Let me blow your mind. At the hospital, I'm having my surgery. When you have the major surgeries, you can ask for a chaplain to come over and pray for you, right? 
I asked this chaplain, I asked for a chaplain to come pray for me. The chaplain comes in and pray, prays for me, with me. Um, young black guy, he comes in and prays with me. Then he goes out. He talks to my family. He talks to my family and they mention they're from Macon. He says, hey, I was adopted and my birth mother was from Macon. This is at my procedure. Your birth mother's from Macon. Yes, her name was such and such. He tells my family who his mother's name was. Please tell me why he was able to identify exactly who his mother was, has found his siblings because of my surgery, and now another family is reunited. That's because God specializes in the impossible. He specializes in the impossible. Our freedom leads other people to freedom. That's right. Just imagine if you never asked for him to come pray. If I never asked for him to come pray. If I never went and got surgery, if I never interviewed the doctors, if I never chose the doctor I did, if I never went on the day that I did, God specializes in the impossible. I went and had surgery the Monday before Thanksgiving. I got out of the hospital on Thanksgiving Day. That's why Thanksgiving is such an important holiday for me. It is my most favorite holiday. And you know what? My surgery was around Christmas. Yeah. I went in on December the 21st, came out on the 22nd, and even though I wasn't able to eat all the stuff that I liked to exactly. eat, you know, for Christmas, yeah. I was glad to be in the land of living to celebrate work my Savior. I know that's right. Love Christmas. I know that's right. Oh, man. Man. Ladies, we got to care for ourselves. When we care for ourselves, we care for the world. I don't care what nobody say. When I am right, the world is right. You have to be able to be an advocate for yourself. Yes. One person tells you one thing doesn't necessarily mean it's right. You have the right yes. to get a second opinion. Because imagine if you never got Yes. What would that outcome have been? If I had to just say, okay, well. Right. 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 It could be, you know, fourth stage now. Right. Trying to figure out, you know, what are the steps. Right. Oh, I might not even make it at all. Right. Imagine if you never went to the gynecologist and you just kept going to the doctor. Imagine if I waited and I couldn't see a doctor and I said, you know what? I don't want to see a nurse practitioner. But I stop trying to determine who's sent here to help you. Ask God. God send your people. Amen. God send your people. And and that's what we're going to Go ahead. I'm sorry, I was thinking that it was actually a little funny thing that I was thinking about when you said you were kind of smart. No, girl, you were smart. All of us, you know, class 96, we were smart. But you made me think about Mr. Thursday when he used to teach us geometry. Uh-huh. You know, like, this circle is not going to cover this over. That man is standing up right now applauding because we heard him whipping and he no, this is not going to be so. That's right. That's right. We 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 learning a little bit for a lot. Oh yeah. We learning a little bit for a lot. Application. Yes. 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 We were a pretty smart class. Yeah, we were. Erica was real smart, y'all. She was real, real smart. I was smart, but I was doing all other kind of stuff. (laughs) 
Grace and mercy. I mean, it is so wonderful. Um, man, it was so wonderful to do this with you. And it's, it's wonderful for so many reasons. One is wonderful to connect with people who have the soul that you have, who have the upbringing, who have the values and the morals and stuff that you have. Like we come from the mm -hmm. same place. Um, but more than that, it's also wonderful to record this podcast together for one another's growth, for one another's platform, and like for one another's audience, because that's what it is. It's an exchange of information. It's an exchange of love. It's an exchange of fellowship. Um, and that is beautiful. Like before we got on. So she used one system. I use another system. Y'all, I do not know how to work this stuff. Okay. We spent about 20, 30 minutes trying to figure out. I'm going to get it. I'm going to get it. I'm going to get it. Uh, oh, I'm going to get it. People ask me. Um, somebody was asking me just yesterday. Like, how's the podcast doing? I'm not concerned so much about how it's doing. I'm more concerned that I am doing it. That's right. When I'm when I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing, God gonna take care of the rest. So, yeah. I mean, I felt the same way because initially people are always saying, "Well, how many subscribers do you have, and how many listening hours do you have?" I'm like, "Look, as long as it changes one person's life at a time, yes, God is gonna make it grow. Yes, it's gonna do exactly what it's supposed to do. Yes, as long as I stay consistent and do exactly what yes." So, girl, we're going to be in the same little boat going down the ocean, out and bringing more people in, getting them to where they can talk about their issues, get past their issues. Right, right, right. And I'll definitely be sure to refer people to you that who I know have had an experience that uh, would be great for your listeners. Um, okay, I yeah. appreciate that. Mm -hmm. And, you know, with all the older ladies, what did I say? Oh, all the seasoned. Seasoned. <laughs> That are in my family, I know we can do a roundtable discussion with them and probably hear some things that will change lives and yes, to want to have this Yes, I hope so. I definitely, definitely hope so because she is free to fly. I am that she, and you are that she, and they are as well. So, um, I thank you. I thank you. I always say thank you. I pray that you receive my love. I pray that you feel God's grace. And I pray that you share it with others. And I am signing out. And um, you may as well. Okay. But I absolutely love this episode. Because I haven't talked to you in years. I right. I see you in years. It is so great to see you. I mean, you look amazing. Thank you me. are so eloquent. And you feel so giving, so kind, so loving, such a beautiful. And I'm glad that you know God connected us in middle school and right. we're still moving forward, and that right. you can see Him right. in both of us right. as we go through our lives. Right. And anyone who's out there that's struggling with who they are, what they're going to do, take the time to check out her podcast because you're free to fly. That's right. And if you are struggling with something within and you're worried about your health, come and raise the fight with me. Yes, she's here. Yes, and God is here with us. Yes. So I'm, I don't know, and I, I just really am glad that we had a chance to do this. Me too. Me too. When you embrace the fight, you win. That's right. When you embrace the fight, you win. We both won because we embraced the fight. So thank you. Thank you for the invite.